Welcome to The Grinning Possum, a podcast about poetry, old-time music, geography, history, and interesting people who put their hands to work. I'm your host, Morris Manning. If it's homespun, homegrown, or just plain down-home, we tend to like it. We cover everything from leather britches to thunder mugs, pokeweed to polecats, and a heap of critters in between. We can even promise the occasional shoeless ditty and witty oddity. Our aim is to go from this to this. From a plain and simple beginning to something lovely most any raw materials can make. Each episode pokes around a corner of Appalachian culture and tradition and wraps it all up in a frolic. As one old timer liked to say, if you've got an itchy ear, just listen at this. And that's all you have to do. The Treasure Book The matriarch of the Winniemores was Tootie, beloved by all, frugal, wise, and ladylike to a T. Never nervy, she knew the riddles that ever pleased the ears of children. Now the fox's tale, ye know it well, begins in a bush, but then in a hush the story rolls round a hole like a hoop, and the fox turns up at a chicken coop. Like many women of her time, she'd met her man in the pawpaw patch, a hairy-legged banjo player named Meek Winniemore, and soon they married, and the generations of Winniemores followed in time. And, of course, Meek Winniemore had enterprises beyond the banjo and a sass patch. He busied himself with corncob stoppers to plug the jugs of frog-eye whiskey he bartered from a blind tiger establishment he'd designed in the woods. It was common knowledge that Meek would trade his jugged lightning for a hog and fatten the hog on leftover mash, such that, come hog-killing time, the hams and jowls were well preserved. One day a thirsty schoolmaster arrived at the tiger and traded a book, a golden treasury of verse, for half a jug of inspiration, and, though Meek himself was not a reader, his woman Tootie was and he knew the book would ever after help a lonesome time some winter night to pass with company and cheer. It wasn't long before Tootie had memorized the treasury and was able to pepper casual talk with high-powered lines of verse, a habit she continued long into what she called her after years, where palsy shakes a few sad last gray hairs, even though she had a head of snowy white. It's figurative language, she'd say, and I learned it from the treasure book. It means a body belongs to the world and isn't off somewhere alone. Tootie was a cheerful woman, the cheerfulest I've ever known, but she wasn't delicate at all. A woman isn't made of glass, she'd say. To be in this here world, a woman better be as stout as a butter churn, and that's a fact. Nor was the old woman averse to stuffing a dainty chaw of tobacco in her cheek. One time, in fact, I saw Tootie as I was coming through the trees. She spit from the porch and hollered out, Well, honey, where y'all been hit up at? I've been smothered up with chores, I said, but I'm caught up now, far as I can tell. How's the world been treating you? I asked. Tolerable, she said, and spit again, for a woman my age, except... A parlous varmint 
has snuck into the patch at night and eaten every last one of the blossoms off my half-runners. So tonight, when I my lonely vigil keep, I aim to keep it with an axe. That ought to halt a blossom thief, I said, and stepped up on the porch to take my old familiar place. Tootie steadied herself on a stick she used for a cane and then recited, O western wind, when wilt thou blow? She then cocked her hip ever so slightly, and the western wind trumpeted forth with a treasury of verse behind it. Miss Tootie, they don't make people like you any more, I said. I reckon they don't. She laughed and freed a second breeze that briefly rose and ended smartly. I reckon I'm about the last, not just the last of the Winniemores, but the last old woman in this country to remember how it was at first. She looked down the hillside into the haze of trees and spit. It's awful pretty country, honey. Indeed, I said, the kind of place you see in a book. One day, Miss Tootie, I'm going to write a book with all the people in it, and I'm going to put you in it, too. Why, honey, I could pinch myself. A gassy old poem-saying woman like me showing up in a book? Hi, Swanee. I'm lively company, leastways I've always tried to be. And the way I figure things, a person who comes alive in a book must be what every lonesome body craves. A friend. A companion to the end. I was born about 10,000 years ago And there's nothing in this world that I don't know I saw Peter, Paul, and Moses playing ring around the rose And I'll whoop the guy that says it isn't so I saw Satan when he looked the garden old I saw Eve and Adam driven from the door and behind the bushes peeping, I saw the apple they was eating. And I swear that I'm the guy that ate the coal. He'd never live to tell the tale But old Jonah had eaten garlic And he gave that poor whale colic So he coughed him up and let him out of jail I saw Samson when he laid that village cold I saw Daniel time the lions in their hole I helped build the Tower of Babel Just as high as they was able And there's many other things Solomon, his little ABC. I helped Brigham Young to make Limburger cheese. And while sailing down the bay with my 
Methuselah one day I saved his flowing whiskers from the breeze Why poor old mama took to bed. If it hadn't been for poke and pawpaws and hot water cornbread pones, all of us would have starved the year poor mama took to her sick bed and lay there a withering away to nothing. She said her nerves had worn in two and she was about to give out from all of us children, but the last one, coming out with eleven toes, sapped her spirit and she was spent, spent like a two-dollar bill and climbed into bed and pulled the quilt up to her chin, allowed her eyes to water, and put on a mournful face. The doctor gave her six weeks, but Mama carried on and clung to life for 27 years, though some were spent in stony sleep. After about nine of those years of fretful grief and near starvation, Pappy stood in her door and declared, There lies heaped up in that bed the smoldering embers of our passion. I told her eleven children woman is plenty of critters for any home, but odd numbers gave her the willies, and she said we ought to make it a dozen, so I complied and performed the act of marital bliss as she requested. It was the twelfth one, Hack, that broke her. When he come out right away, she saw he had six toes on his little left foot. Pappy, fetch your pocket knife, she said, and had me cut off the toe. Little Hack never made a whimper, and I'll be danged, but the toe grew back. She had me cut it off again and again, but the toe kept growing back, and I said, Woman, I reckon Hack is determined to have six toes on his foot. It was her understanding, though, that eleven toes must be a sign our Hack was born with a fiend in him, and the toe was an implement of doom. But if Hack had a fiend, it never showed. After a spell of time, I pleaded, Hecky, Hack appears to be a normal eleven-toed boy, and I see no evidence of a fiend. Well, just you wait, she said, and shuddered. Eleven toes ain't normal at all. No telling what that boy will do. There was no persuading her. Hecky, my dear bride, had set her mind like a bear trap and sprung it shut. About three years into Mama's decline, we decided we'd had enough of poke and pawpaws and cornbread pones, so we branched out to grits and collards and squirrels, and one day Pappy made a tent for the butter beans, and soon lean times for us was over. Young Hack turned out just fine. By three, he taught himself to read and studied every book he could on fiends, declaring one day there was no connection in any book he'd read on the subject between eleven toes and a fiend. Perhaps Mama had been swayed, alas, by spurious superstition, he wondered. That boy's a-talking above my head and the critter's only three, Pappy shouted. No telling what he'll have to say as he goes on. Well, sir, I've got a poem, Pappy, Hack said with a knowing wink. My name is Hack and here's my fix. I've got five on one and the others got six. They chopped one off but it grew right back, which must be why they named me Hack. My mama likes to moan and mourn, but mama, it's just how I was born. Eleven toes, eleven toes, I'm just a boy with eleven toes. I got two blue eyes and a runny nose and two bare feet with eleven toes. 
Well, Pappy just beamed. Hecky, he hollered. If this boy's got a fiend in him, I reckon it's on the side of good. A bad one couldn't make a poem and carry on with all that rhyming. We've got a rhymer on our hands, that's all, Hecky. Our hack's a rhymer, a rhymer with eleven toes. Why, he may be the only rhymer in the world that's got eleven toes. It stands a chance, woman, our hack might shape the world and shine it up. And that's how Pappy left it all, when Mama had years to go in bed before she set up in it and died. You've been listening to The Grinning Possum, a podcast from Kentucky. If you like what you've heard, please share it with a friend. Thank you kindly for your time, and keep it in your pouch. The Grinning Possum podcast is written and performed by Morris Manning. The show is engineered and edited by Steve Cody and is funded with a grant from the Kentucky Arts Council, the state arts agency, which is supported with federal funding from the National Endowment for the Arts.